So we got a nice welcome back text for you. Probably one of the scariest texts in the Bible. Welcome back. <laughs> These two, there's two portions of scripture that scared the living daylights out of me all my life. Two. The first one being blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. How many people got scared over that one? So if you're going to tell me there's a sin that's unforgivable, that keeps me up at night a little bit. Right? When Jesus says, all sin will be forgiven under heaven except for blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> that makes you think a couple times. The second one is today's portion of Scripture where it says that many will stand before God and they will say, Lord, Lord, and he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. But what I want to do today is turn your scary portions of scriptures into reasons to rejoice. Do you hear me? I don't fear those texts anymore because I understand the context of them and I understand the gospel. See, there's portions of scriptures we can go to and they can actually produce condemnation and produce unhealthy fear because we don't really understand the gospel or understand the context of them. So I pray today that you leave here rejoicing over what you've been pardoned from, rejoicing about who you know, and rejoicing about the God who has shown you, shown you so much grace through the gospel. And these texts only become backdrops of the glory of God and the grace of the gospel. Do you know what I'm saying? So that's extremely scary if we don't have the gospel. It makes us rejoice even more. Like, they end on that note, praise the one who paid my debt and raised my life up from the dead. If God did not pay our debt, if Jesus did not do what he did through his life and death and resurrection, then none of us can stand confident before God. What could we possibly bring to the omnipotent one? How could we possibly impress God? You're talking about the God that made the sky, the God who made the ocean, the God who made the earth sit like it does, the God who made all life, love, who has always existed. How could someone like us, who is sinful and broken and has so many weaknesses and failures, how could we ever gather things to bring before God that would impress him and say, okay, come into my kingdom? The only thing that we could ever go before God when we pass from this life to the next is his grace. The only thing we can lay claim to is not our works, not our list, not our boasting, but say, Jesus, I know I had nothing. I know I failed. I know I sinned. But I put all my faith in the work of your son, in your work. That's all we have. That has to be your foundation. If you have any other confidence in anything else that you're going to go before God and start listening to ourselves and say, you're right. Come on in. We can't impress God. We feel God. We're sinners. We need his grace that changes us inwardly, causes us to obey from our heart. And when we stand before God, we stand in full assurance and confidence that we will enter the kingdom of heaven because of the work of the gospel. Amen? That's what our confidence has to be in. And as you see, as we unpack the text, you'll see that the religious leaders had confidence in other things. And we'll get there. I don't want to jump my points here. But I want to give you this quick example. It's in a book. So 
if people are looking into um, reading on heaven, it's a book I'm reading right now by Randy Alcorn called Heaven. It's unbelievable. It's important that, you know, sometimes we get into secular thinking and we get into atheistic um, worldviews. So, you know, statements like you only live once. I'm not knocking you if you used it. But the truth is, that's very atheistic. It's like, man, I live once. I'm going in the grave. See ya. That's it. I might as well act crazy. No. It's actually a beautiful point Randy Alcon makes in this book is we call, when we pass from this life, we call that the afterlife. But really, better way to say it is this is the before life. Because life doesn't really start until you take your last on this earth. You guys hear me? This is just a dot on eternity. Just a dot. Live your life in that kind of eternal mindset. So that book, Heaven, helps you do it. Because really, if you're going to be making sacrifices, you're going to be following Jesus, if you're going to be being persecuted, if you're going to be grown in Christ, you can't say this is all there is because you're going to make sacrifice and willing to go through pain and suffering on this earth to become like Jesus. Imagine if Jesus said, you only live once. No, he said, I got one life to give for others. He didn't try to live the old age. He didn't know. He said, I got one life to live. I'm going to 33 years sacrificing every moment for others that they might be reconciled to God the Father. These are important things to think about. So I recommend that book, Heaven. But in there, there's this beautiful story. It takes place in like the 1930s or 40s, and it was like this famous um, wedding singer. She was a famous singer. Everyone wanted them at their ceremony. She was well-known. She was renowned. And so they had the ceremony of this prominent, this big, famous wedding. Everyone was at there, at the wedding. And she sang at the, at the church, and she blew the roof off. I was like, man, she can sing. She left, us, left the church ceremony, and she was driving to the reception. She gets to the reception, and at the top of the stairs, I think they call it a maitre d', one who checks those books. Is that right? Come on now. They get to the top, and there's a maitre d' with this book. And in the book, there are all lists of people who are allowed into the wedding. You know? She checks. Someone comes up. You know, Joey Thompson's here. There you are going. So she goes up with full confidence with her husband. Walks up there. She's looking at the wedding. It's a wedding like you've never known. People are partying, enjoying themselves, dancing, food. You couldn't imagine. And she says her name. The guy looks in the book. Your name's not in here. He says, what do you mean my name's not in here? I'm the wedding singer. Let me check again. Your name's not in there. I just sang at the ceremony. I'm famous. People were just congratulating me because I sang so beautifully. Do you know who I am? I said, you can't be in here. You're not in the book. Security came as she's given off her list. And they escorted her to the elevator, down to the garage. And as she drove away, she told her husband, I never RSVP'd. I was invited, but I never sent it in. I thought because I was the wedding singer, because everyone was going to congratulate me because they wanted me at the ceremony, that mean that I had the, the VIP, that I was going to go right into that wedding. But I, my name wasn't written in the book. And she wept in that car. 
because she thought in the light of eternity. She thought how many people have been given the invitation to follow Jesus but have rejected it. And they're going to get to that entrance and they're going to say, what do you mean, Lord, Lord? I did this and I did that. He said, I never even knew you. Depart from me. Welcome back. So let's read this text right here. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And do many mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So what's the first thing Jesus says? Not everyone is going to heaven. Let's start there. He said in the previous verses, he's starting to rap about the sermon. He said, narrow is the way to heaven. And broad is the way to hell. Very serious. Now, I would argue in culture, we think of it opposite. We think unless you're Hitler or Osama bin Laden, you're going to stand before God and he's going to be impressed by your works and you're getting in because you're a good person. I want to introduce you to Jesus' theology. He said narrow is the way that's going to heaven because it's hard. Broad is the way that's going to hell. And I want to let that sit there because these are the words of the Son of God. So when I was in the Magic Kingdom, it's lighting it up. I'm hearing like ants walking over here. When I'm in the Magic Kingdom, there's a festival of lights at night. And the festival of lights happens. Right when it ends, everyone starts heading for that exit. I'm talking about Shoulder to shoulder, if you get anxiety attack around a lot of people, there's anxiety attacks left and right. Just people like, you know, just trying to keep their peace. The main street of Disney is packed. It's pretty broad. It's packed. Like, you can't get out. Like, it's like good movement. It's like, here we go. Come on now. Let's do this. Can't wait to wait at the entrance and wait at the bus. Like, it's just disaster. And if you're married to Natalie, it's worse. Grace, Grace. And so we're traveling in the herd, right? This is the broad way. We're stepping, going nowhere. We see this Disney work on the side just rotating this, you know, like, come on. This little light beam. I'll never do that move again from the pulpit. But you did this light beam saying, come this way. And we're like, and Natalie is just looking for a way that she doesn't have to deal with this disaster. Let's go this way. So I'm scared because I'm looking over there and it doesn't look like anything. It's so narrow. I'm talking like there's a little rail, there's a little bathroom, and it looks like it's going to nothing connected to Disney World. But I looked that way and I said it's worth the chance. Single file. People, everyone who saw the light starts packing out of this little narrow hole. They open this gate. You are out of the park in two minutes. It was the place where everyone got dressed, the characters and stuff. You went, it was so narrow. And you look back, and you just saw everyone going to disaster, and you just felt like, man, this is great. No one knows about this. 
I don't want to go to disaster, but I felt good for myself. And so we just walked out, and we were free this little narrow path, and it was freedom. It was open, and we just like, we beat everyone to the bus. It was joy, you know? That's how it is. You've got to think of it like that. Like, broad is the way to destruction. But those who find this narrow path rejoice because God has shown them grace. Because Jesus can't let everyone in. Do you want an unrepentant thief to house sit for you? No. Why wouldn't you want them to house sit for you? Because it would destroy your house. In the same way, God cannot allow unrepentant sinners, people who have not come to the love and the law of God or in the relationship of God, he can't let them into the kingdom of God. We saw what happened with the fall with that. People wanted to be like God, not only in heaven with Satan, but on earth with the first created uh, Adam and Eve, man and woman. What they do? They rebelled against God. They said, we are God. When you have people that aren't under authority of God and don't know Jesus and haven't submitted to God, they cannot be in the kingdom of God. It can't happen. You don't want it to happen. There has to be a guarded gate there. And the only way through that gate is through the love and the grace and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the gospel of Jesus changes you, you're changing inwardly. Your life becomes submitted to the law of God. Amen? So let's start there. <clears throat> now this helps you understand the context, because I was really... The truth is, until I preached through the Sermon on the Mount, this is when I finally got, I'm not afraid of this passage, passage anymore. <coughs> Excuse me. In context, what has Jesus been saying from the beginning? This is so important for you to understand this portion of Scripture. He's been preaching against lawlessness. He's been using the Pharisees as an example, right? And the Sadducees and the scribes. So all the people think, just like you, if you, if you had a pastor, or you had a preach, priest, or you had a spiritual leader, would you question if they're going to heaven? You'd probably say, if anyone's going to heaven, it's got to be the pastor, right? If anyone's going to heaven, it's got to be the Pharisees, right? They're wearing all the right things. They're out there chanting stuff on the streets. they got to be going to heaven. <clears throat> Look at how righteous they are. It's got to be the scribes. These guys are giving their life, running every iota, every dot, just to keep Scripture. They've got to be going to heaven. Jesus is saying, not everyone, as he uses them as an example, that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Because many people are workers of lawlessness. And what has he called the Pharisees this whole time? Workers of lawlessness. Because they have that outside, they're whitewashed tombs, he says. On the outside, they're clean but inside they're filthy. Because everyone is under the assumption that the religious leaders will stand before God and they're part of his kingdom, but they're actually the ones that are going to crucify him. He's saying, not everyone, actually many who stand before me will claim to know me and say, Lord, Lord, but I will say, depart from me, I never knew you. This is what helps you understand a little bit more. What are these people claiming? I prophesied in your name. What did Jesus warn us about? False prophets, right? I prophesied in your name. I cast out demons in your name. I did many mighty works. Those are religious men talk, right? Those are pastor, priest. That, that, that's that kind of talk. You know? He's saying, I don't know what you guys have been claiming, but I ain't coming out the gate with casting out demons. 
He's casting out demons. That's heavy hitter stuff, right? They're talking heavy hitter language. I prophesied in your name. I cast out demons in your name. I did many mighty works in your name. And he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. So he's using that as an example of religious leaders. You guys see that in the context of the whole sermon? You know, just in a summary there? That helped ease my mind. Because Jesus is still trying to get out of the heart. He's saying, you're religious. If you conform yourself to religious acts and religious duties, that does nothing. But it not only applies to religious leaders, it applies to us. It applies to us. Because God judges the heart. What will we say there? I went to church every Sunday. You gave an hour and 15 minutes of your week. You think that's holy? I mean, come to church. We love you here. But that's not what I'm bringing to the gate. I put some money in the offering basket. <laughs> don't you dare bring that to the gate. Believe me. You don't want to take that to the gate. What are you going to say? Because these guys were confident. The arrogance to stand before God and start giving a list blows my mind. The confidence like, I deserve to be here. Did you see what I did? That's the wrong attitude before God. You cannot impress God. Nothing you've done in your life can impress God. Nothing you've done in your life can give you access to heaven except for the work of Jesus. Do you guys hear me right now? Because these guys are naming works. Heavy hitter works. That a lot of people would feel confident if they were in that department. Would you feel confident if you were prophesying, casting out demons, doing mighty works? I'm going to heaven. Jesus is saying, I don't even know you. Do you guys hear that language? Apply that to your life. Do you do that in any ways? Are the things you put confidence in that you've done to get to heaven? Or is all your confidence in the work of Jesus? Do you guys hear that? Now, I knew a couple. They were married for 30 years. 30 years. This couple wasn't close at all. Actually, they ended up getting divorced. But let me tell you what's going on so you understand what I'm trying to say here. This man, for 30 years, every time he talked to one of his old friends he saw, he'd say, 30 years, I never cheated on my wife once. Without exception, every time he saw one of his friends, he'd say, he's still married. He'd say, I haven't cheated on my wife once. He'd boast in this one work. Now, they didn't even know each other. They lived totally separate lives. He was an alcoholic. He didn't even pay attention to anything. And he'd say, he'd boast in this one word. His wife said, we're done. That's it. Know what he did? He gave the list. I bought you a house. I did this for you. I did that for you. I put food on the table. She said, I didn't even know you. Do you guys see that? You can make lists without a relationship. Still to this day, everything I did that woman and she made me leave, you didn't even know each other. The list does not help. When you do things for those you love and those you know out of love, yes, put food on the table. Yes, buy your family a house. Yes, but when it's rooted and you think those things are going to give you the VIP, no, nothing we can do before God impresses him. But when we know him, he changes us. When you know God, 
you want to be at church. When you know God, you want to give. When you know God, you want to share the gospel. When you know God, you want to worship. You do good things, but it's out of a changed heart. You don't go up there with some empty list and you don't even know the person. Is that making sense, guys? Is that opening up a little bit? All right. Because this I want to say is important because Jesus says a statement here. He says, only those who do the will of my Father get access to heaven. Now, what has Jesus talked about all through the sermon series? He's talked about God's will for your life. Not everyone's like acting like, and you go back to the preaching series, Navigating Life Well, and we got Navigating Plain and Well. We talked about all the wills there, the will of decree, the will of desire, and the will of command, and how all those work together. But the will of command is what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about the will of command that God has revealed to his son Jesus exactly what he wants for your life. Do you know what that will for your life is? That you turn the other cheek. That you don't lust and live sexually immoral. That you're not angry because it's like murder. That you go the extra mile. That you do not judge. That you pray not for people to see and praise you, but you pray in silence so your heavenly Father rewards you. That your yes is your yes, and your no is your no. You don't swear falsely. And over and over again, he goes through. That's the will of command. God's will for your life is that you become more like his son, Jesus. You don't need to pray about it. You don't need to ask people about it. That's the will of command. That's God's will for your life. What were the Pharisees doing? They weren't doing God's will. God's will is that you change. And you can only change when the Holy Spirit indwells you. So I'm not trying to provoke you to works, because that never works. But I am telling you the words of Jesus that you should respond to the Holy Spirit and there needs to be repentance where there needs to be repentance and transformation. There was an athlete who was talking about steroid use. And this is going to be a funny example, but you're not going to forget it. There was an athlete talking about steroid use and they had him on because someone, one of the major heavy hitters in this sport had got busted for steroids. And he said, listen, I know what to look for when someone's using steroids. I know what their body looks like. I know what their demeanor is. And he kept learning all these details. And he said, I know because I use steroids. And I know what it did to me. Now, take that funny example. When the Holy Spirit is indwelling someone and has changed their heart, you know what to look for. It's a repentant life because the Holy Spirit is in their DNA. It's a repentive life. It's not rejecting God's authority. Now, we all know we're not perfect, and Jesus is not asking us to be sinless here, or he wouldn't have to go to the cross. But the fruit of someone's life who is following Jesus should be transformation and sanctification. It's not be rejection, and I'm not coming under your authority, God. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? We're all fallen. We need God's grace. We all sin. But when we practice things, in rejection of God's authority, that's when I get concerned as a pastor because I'm not sure that someone's going on inwardly. Do you guys know what I'm saying? Like I sit home at nights being honest with you and there's sometimes I say, this person is living like that with no repentance. They know the word of God. I'm saying, do they have just a form of godliness or has the Holy Spirit really changed their heart? So Paul said, work out your salvation with fear and trepidation. I just want to talk about this. When we openly and habitually practice sin, 
That is not the fruit of righteousness. Does that make sense, guys? I'm not trying to get you scared. But you follow what you believe. You know, I heard an example in a book that was outstanding. If a father says the most important thing is that he spend time with his children, if he says that, but then he takes a job where he can spend no time with his children, he doesn't really believe that the most important thing is spending time with the children. We operate according to our convictions. So it doesn't matter what you say. You know, if I get a Pepsi ball and I put gasoline in it, it doesn't matter what the label on the outside says. It ain't going to taste that good. So it doesn't matter our labels. It doesn't matter what you label yourself. It matters what's going on inwardly. And the Holy Spirit, when he changes your heart, you see the signs of repentance and the fruit of sanctification. So we're going to get to this part here because I know this is all heavy and I love you. I'm not trying to, you know, have a horror movie up here. But I want you guys to hear this. Hell is serious. We have to hear that. Because if you don't know what you're pardoned from, you'll never rejoice. You'll never rejoice at what Jesus, when we say Jesus saved us, what did he save us from? Hell is real. Don't believe your culture. How do we even know there's a heaven and hell? Because Jesus told us. Why do people believe in a heaven? Because of Jesus. Why do people believe in a hell? Because of Jesus. Some people didn't get together. They say top churches and preach on hell. No, they're trying to live by the words of Jesus. He says there is a life and we all stand before God and there is a heaven because God's son said it and there is a hell because God's son said it. We don't have the authority to change those things. There is a hell where we will suffer eternal punishment if we reject Jesus. That's real, guys. I don't want to tell you anything different because it will, it will create a bad foundation for you. And, and this is why Jesus is saying, depart from me where? To hell. And it's so serious. I was watching a court thing the other day. And I saw this woman get sentenced. And in her mind, she thought she was only going to get a few years. Like, so her and the other woman who was getting accused, they thought they were only going to get a few years. When they got the life sentence, I've never seen a reaction in the courtroom like that. Their body started convulsion because they, they couldn't handle it emotionally. They couldn't breathe. People had to come over. Everyone had to help them breathe because they were like, okay, this is just going to be that. They said, you have life with no possibility of parole. They went into convulsions, and I can't get it out of my mind because it hit me in an eternal way, especially as a preacher of the gospel, when three or four policemen or court police rolled her out into that door that leads to the, to the jail. I couldn't get it out of my mind because I was thinking, how many people are going to stand before God and think they're okay because of their works? And then they're going to hear God Jesus saying, depart from me, I never knew you. That's how serious hell is. It, we're not preaching it because this is, you just don't do that unless the Son of God says it. And we can pretend all we want, but we can't take away reality. We need to hear that for our friends, for our family. doesn't matter if we just say, no, I'm not going to think about that. It's still reality. And there's still many who will stand before God and never hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, with that said, I have no fear of hell because of Jesus. Do you guys hear me? I used to be afraid of hell when, just in my opinion, I was at a place where I didn't have healthy theology, so I was getting saved every week. You know what I mean? How many times are you getting saved in one month? I was so scared because they said it's based on my works. 
When I got in the scriptures, I said, what are you talking about? No one can do enough work. So every week I felt like I lost my salvation 17 times. There I go, it's gone. Like, so I was really scared of hell. But know what? It didn't change me. It didn't change me. Just the fear of hell didn't change me. I know guys all the time say, I'm going to hell, but I'm going to live the way I want. They really don't know what they're saying. They really don't. If they knew, you don't talk stupid like that. But I was afraid of hell because I didn't understand the grace of God. Because my salvation was based on what I did and how I performed. But then the gospel comes in. And I realized these guys are reciting mighty works. But they're not getting in. My only hope, our only hope, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I need you guys to hear that today. The imputation of Christ's righteousness on our behalf. Now what? I'll give you a better list. I'm undeserving God, but Jesus saved me. I failed a thousand times, but Jesus did what I couldn't do. I'm unworthy to get in, but because of the gospel, I can get in. Now that's something to rejoice. You just wanted to sing. That's amazing. That's unbelievable. Do you see the different tone there? Pharisee, I'm casting out things. I'm poor in spirit. I'm poor in spirit. I'm mourning. I got nothing to give God, but you gave me everything. No one is going to be arrogant before God that knows God. Because we've had a life filled with God's grace. where He forgave every single one of our sins, and that gives us access to heaven. Now finally, this kind of reality has to compel us to evangelize, right? Because we're not that selfish. All of a sudden, them thinking we're a little cuckoo, that goes out the window when you realize there's an eternal destination for every person that passes from this life to the next. Share the gospel with those you love and those who you meet. Do you guys hear me? Please hear this. Your family needs to hear the gospel. They don't need religion. They need Jesus. Your friends need the gospel. They need it. It's not worth it. It's not enough fun. Like the sinning and all that kind of stuff without you calling them to Jesus. Your co-workers need to hear about Jesus. It's not just enough doing good works. Because sometimes I'd be a couple. Love people, do good things, all those kind of things outwardly. But the gospel needs words. Have conversations with people. It's so important. It doesn't matter what kind of persecution. If you lose your job, it's worth it. If you lose your job, it's worth it. If someone accepts Jesus as their Savior. If you lose your home, it's worth it. Because this all is passing away. If you're persecuted, big deal with your reputation. People don't even think that much of you. We think people think a lot of us. They're talking about us. It's, a, it's delusions we create. Your reputation means nothing. Nothing. Share the gospel because you love people. Restoration Road, please hear me today. If there's something that needs to be shaken, let it shake. But if your faith is in Christ, 
be assured that you will stand before God and he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't want you leaving here afraid, but if there's something that needs to be shaken, let it shake. But if your faith is in the grace and the gospel of Jesus Christ, you rejoice with confidence today. There's no room for fear because perfect love casts out fear. Amen?